You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Talking Theater Friends. I'm so, I'm so excited. Like, I mean, I'm not even going to pretend that I'm like, just like, you know, like, seriously. Uh, host, I'm so excited to have uh, two of my favorite, basically theater people, right? Like, or like people in the entire world. Uh, the incredible Juan Michael Porter II, who is one of the great journalists of our times and genius, our love. Uh, and we're gonna be talking about a lot of, like, let's just like start talking about uh, everything, I guess. Like I have so many questions for you because like last time I spoke to you, Donye, uh, like, you were, uh, we talked about Write It Out and I was talking to you about like launching my own critics initiative. Mm-hmm. And uh, what have we learned? And by we, I mean, what have you learned about teaching and what can you teach me about teaching? <laughs> what can I teach? And so I don't think there's anything I can teach you about teaching. Um, I, I will say what I've learned through the process of uh, Write It Out, which is my playwrights program for writers living with HIV. I've been reminded of the power of community and it's just, it is overwhelmingly beautiful to be in a space with writers who all have this thing in common, right? And this thing being HIV. And then the writers also learning, oh, I also have this in common as well with one of my cohorts, which is, I also am a mother living with HIV, and so is this writer, mm-hmm. right? I also am a trans person living with HIV, and so is this writer. I'm also Mexican and living with HIV, and so is this writer. So it's been beautiful uh, to learn of the multiple pockets of community within this one community, and to be reminded of how we truly are in this thing together. I think that has been the uh, truly beautiful thing about uh, Write It Out and what I've been learning, right, is that I truly am, as much as I may have resources and information, I'm also a student uh, myself. There was a, a moment in our last session where uh, a writer was really in a space and we all rallied around this writer to hold space with them. And it wasn't me as the leader of the class sharing and helping navigate through. It was everybody in the class 
pouring in and sharing wisdom. And I learned so much in that moment as well. So I think that is one of the most beautiful things um, about being an instructor, about being a teacher, is knowing when to listen, right? Uh, right now has taught me how to listen and how important it is to listen. You know, like, and what goes in with that, that sort of being in community with people is that you don't question whether your stories value or matter. Because I think so frequently we say like, oh, well, yeah, I'm going through this, but does anyone care about it? It's like, yeah, because someone else is going through it and they needed to hear from you. And I, I love Write It Out just as a concept because there has not been a space for people living with HIV to have this experience. And again, like Jose with the BIPOC uh, Critic Lab, bringing in people who ha have not had that experience, instead of saying, if you don't have a Tony Award, you can't be here, y'all were like, it doesn't matter if you've ever written before. If you wanna talk, we are going to give you that space to talk. Right, and like how important is it to create spaces for us to see ourselves reflected, right? Where we don't have to worry right where all we have to all we really have to do is just be ourselves like mm -hmm. that is the that is the bottom line all you have to do is be yourself and i think like that is the important thing about these programs about like the spaces that we're cultivating and like what we're creating for our community is you just get to come and be yourself i remember uh one of our earlier classes where i i just finished earlier that day having blood work. And I remember the blood work that I had done, the phlebotomist was taking forever <laughs> to find my vein. About five minutes, he was poking and prodding and wearing me out. <laughs> and then on top of that, on top of finding the vein, this had to have been the most tubes I had to fill with blood, about 20. I was gagging. I was literally gagging. So I say all that to say, write it out was later that day. And when mm -hmm. I went to the session, we start every session with just sharing how we are, right? And so I share, I'm actually not doing that well because today I had blood work done. Everything I just shared to y'all, I did not even have to share in that space because as soon as I said I got blood work done today, collectively, everybody in the room went, <sighs> they all got it, right? And like, that's what I mean about the importance of community. But that's something, you know, so my first play of yours, Danya, that I saw um, was Sugar in Our Wounds. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, first of all, the the setting, the actors, the words, language, all of it. Like, I fight with people over that play. If someone's like, oh, it didn't move me, I'm like, because you're dumb. I guess you didn't watch it. Um, but that... It, it, I'm born in Alabama and there are a lot of different times when I've spoken to people um, in California where I grew up about the experience of being black and a legacy of slavery. They just don't get it. And there you were putting it up there in a way. And I was surrounded by all of these white people who were like, oh, I'm listening now. I'm getting this in a way. I'm receiving it in a way that I never have before. And that I'm, I'm excited to hear from your students or like your participants in this program to see what they do next because they are going to be the change makers of the future. Absolutely, and y'all, when I tell y'all, these writers are writing down. They have me so excited for what the future of theater will be. I am gagging. I'm like, wait, can you actually do that in theater? Is that possible? And then also, I'll, I'll keep it 100. For me, I know what I really fuck with, a play is when I'm like, damn, I wish I thought of that first. 
And there are so many plays in here by these writers. I'm like, damn, I wish I thought of that first. They are truly creating beautiful work that will really change the landscape of theater. And I'm just so honored to be a small step in their journey. I love that so much. Like when I was hearing you uh, talk about, you know, like sharing an experience, I immediately took me to a scene in wanting to, which I adore. And I was, you know, I was uh, surprised is not the right word, but I'm forgetting my, I'm forgetting like my vocabulary uh, because I'm home alone all day long. Uh, awesome. Yeah, awesome. But I'm gonna go with moved, you know, like moved in a different way is a better uh, concept, I guess. When uh, the, there was a, a, a a streamed reading of wanting to, and as much as I loved, uh, you know, the production and like the, it was one of the the most, you know, memorable things uh, that I've seen basically in my life. But I was very moved in a completely different way by the power of your words. Mm. Just you know, hearing them just like being spoken and being read, and I'm like, readings can do this. Uh, and I mean, your reading could do that. So I wonder, you know, this is like a very like romantic question, but what have you found out about theater and particularly about your own writing? Because we're all home and we don't get to have any, uh, you know, theater and community. Yeah, um, look, I'm all for the romance. So bring in the romantic questions. I am all for the romance, beloved. So bring it, bring it, bring it, baby. Um, I will say what I've learned about theater, about my work in this moment of the Rona, in this moment of lockdown, uh, is theater has such a far reach. And yes, there is nothing like live theater, right? Like there is nothing with being physically in the space with someone and creating an experience together. There is nothing like it. What I've also learned uh, during this time, during the uh, pandemic and creating virtual content is there is now such a far reach, right? Like so many people can see the work. And it hit me when we were doing one and two uh, during Pride of uh, this year for Pride Plays. And the people who reached out to me from different countries mm -hmm. saying that I was finally able to see one and two and just thank you, right, for sharing my story, right? Like, I think that is the beautiful silver lining about what's happening with theater now. And with that being said, we have to, we being theater makers, we have to imagine what a world of theater will look like after this moment, right? Like it cannot look the same. Mm -hmm. And if it does look the same, it's going to fail miserably. So once we navigate through this moment of COVID-19, right? Once we get to live theater again, what will the traces of virtual theater in this moment look like in that, right? It cannot look the same anymore. So that has me incredibly excited. And also what I've learned uh, in terms of my personal uh, journey as a writer is I write every single thing I write I've learned is for that Danye who just found out he was diagnosed with HIV in 2008 
every single thing I'm writing, I am trying to tell that Danye, who is sitting alone in a cold, small room, terrified, that he is okay. That somebody has him, right? And that somebody is me in this moment. He may not have himself in that moment, but I have him in this moment and that he will be okay. Everything I've learned that I'm writing, I am trying to say that. I'm trying to let that Danye know that he is okay. And this moment has taught me that about my writing. You know, like just looking at your work and the, like there's so much that's, it always comes from love. There's always that one thing in it that everything that's being done is from love. And everything that you put out, whether you're tweeting about standing up for our trans sisters, um, if you are putting up a commercial even, like that Etsy commercial that you put up about the two um, black gay men at uh, the holiday gathering. And I, I just wonder, what is it like for you? How do you step into that courage to stand up to demand that we are heard? Yeah, uh, that's a really, really beautiful question, Juan. And I think how I've uh, stepped into the courage of uh, demanding love is like understanding the power in it and also like understanding uh, and having gone on a journey, right? Like having gone on a journey where I've navigated through not loving myself at all, mm -hmm. where I woke up many of mornings upset that I woke up, right? Where after I got out of bed, the first thing I did was drink. And all I did was for the rest of the day was drink, right? Being in a very alcoholic space, being in a depressed space, being in a suicidal space, after being in spaces like that for so long, I had to choose myself and in the choosing of myself, how to be soft with myself, how to, like you said, love myself. So I was able to get to that place because I was on a journey that looked so different than where I am right now, right? I was on a journey where I truly hated myself and I wanted to love myself. And every day is a choice because please believe it is easy to hate ourselves. <laughs> it's easy to beat ourselves up. It is easy to say that we ain't shit. We don't got it going on, that everything is wrong with us. We are not desirable. We do not need love. We should never get love. Like that's the easy part. That is the easy part. The hard part is to choose ourselves and to say, yes, I love myself and I will be soft with myself. So I say that to say, it's not old kumbaya over here. <laughs> I got it all figured out. It takes work. It takes work every day to get to a point of loving myself. When you think about uh, people who are seeing themselves like, uh, the little kids who see that Etsy commercial, for instance, or the teenagers who've seen one and two or sugar in their wounds, what do you, what does that do for people when they actually get to see that possibility of who they could be? Um, I will hope what it does for people is let them see themselves, right? Like let them see that they matter, that their stories matter. Like what I've learned is representation is not liberation. 
Hmm. Representation can help us get to liberation, right? Like it is a part of the equation, right? Just because I am writing a piece about enslaved men falling in love with each other, just because I'm writing a piece about a black man navigating through uh, his HIV status, I'm not expecting for me to figure out how to dismantle and break every single system of oppression. Like I know that's not going to happen at all, right? I know that representation is not liberation, but I know that it can get us closer to liberation. And it is my hope that with the work that people see themselves reflected, right? And I think about the times I've seen myself reflected in work. I think about the times where someone helped me see myself and I would love to do that. And then also being very clear, like I said about my writing, what I learned is that I'm writing for that Danye who was just diagnosed. I've learned that my work is not, or rather I'm not trying to be altruistic in my work. I'm not at all. I'm literally trying to let myself know that I am okay. <laughs> and with doing that, hopefully I'm learning that other people can see themselves reflected and can say, I am okay as well. And then also hopefully people will say me too, but that's not exactly my story, but I know that I can tell my story my way because I've seen this story. I, I think that one of the things that, that you represent to me in like one of the most beautiful ways is you remind us that uh, something that people like, I don't know, like especially like America doesn't seem to like really get. And it's that we want the things we want to change, we want to change because we love them. Like, and instead like, you know, like people like, oh, they hate the country, whatever. But anyway, my point is like every, every time that you, uh, mm. that you, cause you love the art form of theater. So like every time you tell critics how much we suck. I'm like, Danye, drag us. Like, sweep the world with us, like drag us. And I, I, I don't think I've ever asked you that. And I mean, I love it when you do it. Can you drag us more often? Cause we, we, we're really terrible. <laughs> and so here's the thing, like I want to uh, be very clear and uh, lovingly add uh, some like context and, and more nuance to what you just said. When you talked about like America realizing how terrible America is, I wanna be very clear. For me, how I hear that is white America, mm -hmm. understanding, yeah. right? How terrible white America is. Because during the summer, after George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, and the list goes on and on and on, right? After we had these uprisings, and as these uprisings were happening, there was an awakening that America had, specifically white America. Because black people, brown people, indigenous folks, trans people, people with disabilities, we already knew America ain't shit. Yeah. We already knew that in our core beings. is white America that truly had to do the work and still, it will be a life commitment of doing the work, right? And so when I think about critics specifically, I'm talking about white critics who feel entitled that every time a play happens, this play has to be for me. I have to see myself in the play somewhere, right? And then when you don't, because newsflash, everything ain't about you. When you don't see yourself in the work, then we get these scathing reviews. 
right? And how problematic is that, right? And how deeply are you in your privilege where you think everything that's on stage is for me? And if I don't understand it, if I don't see myself in it some way, then something has to be wrong with the play. Absolutely not. The play is what it is. The play is beautiful and how it's supposed to be in terms of culture, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most important things. And I wouldn't have um, such an issue with white writers critiquing work by artists of color if these publications, if these platforms had more people of color on staff. I wouldn't have a problem if a Jesse Green or a Ben Brantley who, thank God, stepped down. I wouldn't have a problem if these critics came to critique my work if the publication that they worked for had more people that looked like me for them to send to critique work as well. But since they don't, I have every problem with you coming to see my work because you think that your view, your gaze is the only gaze out there. And Newsflash is not. There are plays that have nothing to do with you and they never will have anything to do with you because you are not centered in our lives experience. And once you get over that, when you come into a play knowing that this play is not for me. Mm. When you come with that point of view, I understand that this play will not be for me. Then you can come and sit in this theater and truly allow the work to wash over you because you aren't expecting to find yourself in it. You're just expecting to receive a story. That makes me think about Fireflies, which is a play that many people didn't understand. And I acknowledge that even as I understand it is not the way that you intended it, but how I received it was as a sort of subversive call to people who are black, who have, a lot, who have buried themselves within themselves to exist in a space. And I actually took a friend with me to see it who has aligned themselves with whiteness because they think that's the only way that they could be. And afterwards they were like, I get why you took me to see this show, I'm her. And so like, my question is, how do you reach those people who have gone into the sunken place? Is that something that we as black people should be concerned about? Like, I mean, I know, please. <laughs> um, I literally think of, uh... <laughs> Yolanda Adams, and mm -hmm. I take a word from her, which is, uh, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Mm -hmm. Truly, like every battle is not mine. Every battle is not mine, right? So when I think about that question, um, yes, of course, like I want for everybody to be the fullest version of themselves. I want for everyone to love who they are, right? Especially when folks come from historically oppressed communities, right? To love yourself and to not feel like you have to align to whiteness. Mm -hmm. You don't have to align to straightness. You don't have to align to communities of being cisgender, right? Like you don't have to align with these things. All you have to do is be yourself. Of course, I want that for every single body, but then also at the same time, like I know that every battle is not mine and I don't have to push for every single thing. Because when I'm writing, I'm not thinking about, oh, I want for this person who is in this sunken place, <laughs> they're in this sunken place, and for them to get out of that place. Like, I'm not thinking about those things, but one of the beautiful things about what we do as theater makers, as theater creators, as lovers of theater, is we get to create 
spaces and create work for people to find themselves in no matter where they are in the work. Because one thing I know for sure is people will bring their lived experiences to the work. Mm. Wherever you are in life, you will bring that into the work. So you will find yourself in it some way, right? And I think that's the most beautiful thing. When you talk about your friend, they found themselves in the work in some way, right? And I think that's the beautiful thing about what we do as individuals in theater mm. and individuals in storytelling. That's like making me think about how, you know, anyone who's not white is literally asked to leave everything about themselves like outside like a coat like you know like here's like your hat like your jacket and even when they go to the theater because we're you know like when you're talking about the like, critics i'm like yeah like they have no problem like identifying with like singing like snowman from frozen but like give them like a, a black or brown person and boom like what is this um and i i i wonder if you know the fact that we are now home and we don't have to pretend to be anyone we're not home like i mean i'm wearing sweatpants yeah, you're wearing. Fine. Yeah, you're you're wearing sweatpants. I'm like, I I can't imagine you. I'm sweatpants. wearing. Sweatpants. I'm wearing my good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A um, sweat. Yeah, always so glamorous. I'm like, I, I yeah, I but I saw it. So anyway, uh, I wonder if you, if you have noticed like how work has been like you know like based on like the, what you've seen like online like from friends and family or whatever, uh, from colleagues like uh the way in which the work is being processed now that we don't really have to pretend to be, you know, we don't have to like even like dress up, like we can watch like theater in our underwear if we want to. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that that is another beautiful thing like about this moment is that we get to be comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Like we get to be ourselves as we create work and as we experience and take in work, right? And that's one of the things I was getting at when I said that when we navigate past this moment, it has to look different, right? Like I think about people of color going to see shows, going into theaters, right? Seeing a show where you are on stage, right? Where bodies that look like yours, where melanin that equals yours is on stage but you don't feel safe in the audience because mm. you don't see yourself reflected, right? Where you feel like you're being policed to react in very natural ways, right, to work. And the beautiful thing about this moment is that we get to do and be however we want to be when we are taking in the work. So how can we use this moment by we, I mean, the people in power, these gatekeepers, these folks who are running institutions, how can they really strategically look at this moment and what's going on and how the work is being disseminated and how the work is being received and how can that be implemented and be reimagined into us navigating out of this moment? How can the comfort that we all feel right now in this moment, right, outside of the world being crazy, because that's <laughs> not comfort, but the comfort that we feel inside our own bubbles in our homes watching work, how can we take that and have it be applied once we get out of this moment for folks to also feel safe in theater, to be themselves in theater when watching shows where you see yourself reflected. Even if you watch a show where you aren't reflected in it at all, how can you still feel safe in that space where you aren't gonna be policed in that space? 
this again reminds me of, of Sugar, where when Mikkel, then the tree started singing at the end, and there was someone sitting next to me in the audience, Black, of course, who we went, go off! And like, people were like, oh! And my friend was like, yeah! And like, it, it was interesting, because it actually taught those white people around us, the subscription court, like, that this is actually a beautiful response that this is a call and response, that your work is speaking to us and we are speaking back to it. And it, it was interesting how that exchange sort of spread. I hope that when people, because they are more comfortable when they go, I mean, you know, it's you. But when people go back to the theater that they bring their full selves, like whatever they are and do be that like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling this. Cause I know I also carry that idea that I need to be an upstanding sick up his ass figure when actually all I want to do is just cry because it's so beautiful what I'm seeing. And like, literally, I just had my little like glory moment when you were talking, because literally what I was just thinking, what you just said, Juan, is so powerful and it's so profound, because what you're talking about is Black people. What you are talking about is uh, historically oppressed people actually teaching what theater etiquette is. It's not the other way around. It's not white people teaching us what theater etiquette is, that we have to be quiet, our hands have to be crossed the entire time that we watch, we have to be stoic. No, we can aha, we can amen, we can shout, we can do the Harlem Shake in our seat if we want to. Right? Like we can literally, I would live for somebody to do the Harlem Shake in their seat watching the show. But quite literally, like what I took from that is that we are teaching theater etiquette, right? The theater can look this way. The responses can look this way. And I think that's so beautiful. Necessary, yeah. Looking at the future, uh, you have soft that's projected and I just, can you please tell us a little bit about it? Yes, oh my gosh, I cannot wait, y'all. I cannot wait for soft. Um, soft is a story of black and brown boys who are stuck in the school to prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to be black in America? What does it mean to be brown in America? And constantly positioned in a world of hardness, right? And with that being said, you making the choice to be soft. You making the choice to be soft with yourself, even though every system around you says that you're supposed to be hard and that this will be your future, which is no future. How do you say, you know what, I actually do have a future and my future is in softness. What does that look like? And I'm super excited about it. And then also uh, Soft was one of the first plays I started writing after being diagnosed with HIV in 2008. Wow. So I say that to say out of every play in my arsenal, Soft is the only play that has grown with me. So that's been 12 years. So as I've grown as a human being and as a writer, Soft has grown as a play, which is so beautiful. And I cannot say that about any other play um, um, in my arsenal. So I'm so excited for that. And I'm so excited to give this play to black, to black and brown people and to say that life may be hard on us, but we are so soft and we deserve softness. And literally this is a play where black and brown people are given the flowers that they deserve.
So I'm so excited to give us our flowers. And I'm so excited to have Whitney White, who is a beast of a director to be directing this. She's been attached to the play for now three years. Wow. She's one of the biggest advocates of the play. Um, and so for MCC to produce it with Whitney, it feels like coming home, especially with a play that I've been working on for 12 years now. You know, the natural response is for people to say, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, no, MCC is so lucky. <laughs> Because, like, and this is actually the thing that could change the world because so many of us are placed into interact in schools and I hope that a lot of teachers get to see it so that they can reposition themselves and realize how much we're harming our children. Yeah, yeah, and y'all already know I am doing the work. I am holding MCC and their three white male artistic directors to task. They already know they will be held to task, right? Because like, I love what I do and I love being a theater maker and being in community so much that I will hold you to task. And please believe I expect you to do the same thing with me as well, right? And so if, if I'm gonna put out this story uh, to the world, I wanna make sure that everyone around creating the story knows who the story is for, what the story is about and how can we together present something beautiful and soft to the world. So as much as MCC will be held uh, to task, I'm also holding myself to task as well. I kind of want you to run for office, but you're too <laughs> good for, for government. I'm like- <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not, because yeah. let me tell you something, okay? Like I will be wore out. I will, I will go absolutely insane and how nasty some of these politicians are i don't think i can make it i don't think i can do it i do not think i can do it like literally i i i don't think i ever said this like in public before but uh my like demeanor and my spirit may be soft but these hands are hard and please believe if a politician comes my way crazy they will experience the hard hands and so no absolutely not i don't see it well, I hope politicians go to see soft and, and read the rest of your plays. Yeah, that absolute part. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation and holding space and being in community with us. This was, I'm off to see the doctor and this is going to carry me there. So come through. Thank you. Yeah, thank y'all so much. Like truly y'all two are two of my favorites out there. And anytime I get the whole space is always a yes. Like I don't even, I get it. I don't even know why y'all even have to ask me. It's like, y'all already know I'm going to say yes. So you didn't have to ask me, but I appreciate it. So I thank y'all so much and for the work that y'all do and for the love that y'all put out there and for how y'all also hold people to task. Um, it gives me hope and it just, it, it, I'm, I'm excited to be in community with y'all. So thank y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, love to both of you. I, I don't want this to end. Uh, well. <laughs> We'll have Drake sex time. Yes. I'm through. <laughs>
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 